Sam Borden, we have summoned you back onto the show for a second time this week, a rare occurrence, because you're you're there, man. You're in Qatar. The U.S. is now in the knockout stage, the round of 16 in the World Cup. They play the Netherlands on Saturday. But before we get to that, you were watching in person as the U.S. beat Iran 1-0 on Tuesday. What was it actually like in the building? What did you see that maybe we didn't see from home? You know, Pablo, I don't know how well it came across on television, but in the stadium, it was overwhelming in terms of how lopsided the crowd presence was. I mean, this was a this was a road game for the U.S. You know, mm. Iran's fans were outrageous. They had horns, they had drums, and they had numbers. I mean, they were just outnumbered, the U.S. fans. I mean, the U.S. has a pretty decent traveling contingent of fans from the, the group American Outlaws, and they do a terrific job. But this was a road game, and it was a really tough atmosphere for this young U.S. team to try to play through. Uh, particularly, yeah, I mean, they got the goal from Christian Pulisic, but they had to play the whole second half without him. Uh, you know, their best player, their star player. And I was impressed by how the U.S. saw out that game, finished that game, and didn't give up a late goal like they did against Wales. To me, like, again, I don't know how much it came through on television, but that was a really, really intense performance, and the U.S. came through it. And I think that's pretty remarkable for a team that has so many young players. Yeah, it was kind of hard to tell, honestly, because I was watching a lot of the second half with, like, uh, my fingers covering my eyes because it got like fundamentally uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> it really, it got it got it got scary, Sam. And so the emotional circuitry now, the 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 mood around this team with everything on the line on Saturday. What's what's it feeling like at the moment? Yeah, it's it's you know in a lot of ways, Pablo. It's really interesting, and and this is the reality of the World Cup, especially this World Cup where. It is a little bit more compressed. The games come thick and fast. There's only a couple of days to recover. In a lot of ways for that American team, those players, they played the biggest game of their lives and they came through it. Yes. They got what they needed. They got that win. And their reward is the biggest game of their lives. <laughs> If you thought that match against Iran on Tuesday was, you know, stressful, yeah, just wait for tomorrow. Because after years of anticipation and geopolitical strife and endless ethical concerns, we have made it. The United States is into the knockout stage of the World Cup against the Netherlands with our first quarterfinal berth in 20 years hanging in the balance. So today, our global correspondent, Sam Borden, sets the scene for us out in Qatar. And then we enlist our old friend, Roger Bennett, who has been watching the World Cup while traveling across America to tell us what he's been learning stateside and why we should hate the Dutch. I'm Pablo Torre. It's Friday, December 2nd. This is ESPN Daily. So, Sam, we should say up here at the top that there is news that you need to explain to us. News about, I think, the most uh, famous lower body injury <laughs> in recent American sports history. So what do we know about 
Yeah, the pelvic contusion that uh, saved America and shocked the world. Well, well, Pablo, you, you said that you watched the end of the game with your hands over your eyes. I, and I think uh, a number of other, you know, males certainly uh, in attendance, watched it with our hands sort of like sympathetically, <laughs> you know, in our laps because, yes. man, that was brutal. Christian Pulisic comes flying in towards the back post. Uh, a terrific cross from Serginho Dest comes right across the face of the goal. And Pulisic gets the ball over the line, kind of just like runs into the ball, essentially, gets it over the line into the back of the net, but at the same time collides like at full speed with the Iranian goalkeeper. The Iranian goalkeeper's knee goes right in between Pulisic's legs. I mean, it is like a direct hit, you know? Um, And it was one of those in real time, all of us were just like, oh, you know that like reaction that you have? like. (laughs) The you collective just, groan. Yeah. yeah, you just know. And, and you could see him writhing, Pulisic writhing around on the ground. And I think anybody that has experienced anything, you know, even remotely close to that kind of situation <laughs> knows exactly what that feels like. And so, you know, today um, Pulisic talked about it and he described both the injury itself and having to lay out the specifics of it to like the world press as excruciating. Hi, Christian. Um, how excruciating is it to go over this injury over and over again in front of 100 people? It's a good way to word the question differently. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's excruciating going over it with you guys. He did clarify, Pablo, because I know that, you know, we're sticklers for, um, you know, the facts here and, and the daily podcast. Absolutely. He did, he did clarify that quote like i didn't get like hitting the balls i'm all right i'm all right it was very painful and it it just you know that bone is there for a reason to protect you i think and i i I hit it well and uh it was sore but uh like i said i'm getting better so it was more of like (laughs) you know a, a direct hit on that sort of general area that left him you know winded obviously nauseous dizzy and headed to the hospital during the second half to get checked out while his teammates tried to hold on to that one goal lead. Yeah, from afar, I've been monitoring, you know, uh, the Snapchat that he posted from the hospital in Qatar during that second half saying he would be ready. I've heard his teammates talk about how they checked on him. He's seemingly in as reasonably good spirits as you could imagine. But is he going to play? against the Netherlands, Sam. That is obviously the the huge question here. Yeah, I think it's worth sort of looking at the timeline, right? Like in the immediate aftermath of the injury, he posted to social media saying like, with some choice expletive words, guaranteeing that he would be on the field on Saturday. Thursday was the press conference where he and Tim Weah showed up and talked to the press and he laid out the specifics of the injury, and he didn't 100% guarantee that he's going to play. He was asked a couple of different ways, but he made it pretty clear that he was going to do everything in his power to play, whether that meant he wasn't going to practice on Thursday or practice on Friday, whatever it was going to take. This feels to me like a situation where there might be a little gamesmanship going on. Hey, let's not mm. let's not come right out and say it so the Netherlands has to at least prepare for the possibility that I won't be on the field. But looking at his face, looking at the way that he portrayed his emotion about what the last game meant and what this game upcoming means to him, 
I'd be stunned if he's not on the field. And, and now, by the way, like he's officially like this mythological creature, right? Like the legend of him has now been built, has been memified. It is now front of brain for a lot of us. Just explain how important he is to this team. Like I know a soccer team is not as simple as a basketball team, 11 guys versus five. But tell me what the impact is of that guy being there or not. He is the face of U.S. soccer, and even more so in these moments like a World Cup where the casual fan is watching. There are plenty of people in America who don't know anything about U.S. soccer but are all in on this U.S. soccer team. And if they do know one player, it's him. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, he carries that weight every day, and he carries it well. I mean, there's no doubt that there's a lot of talented players on this team right now. He even made the point that he feels less pressure than he did years ago because there are really quality players playing alongside of him. I mean, you see the talent, you see the work that they put in, and just the unity of this group is what makes it special and takes any pressure that there might be off of me. In the end, he's their star. He's the guy that makes it all go. And I think that having him out there and knowing what he went through is going to be a big boost for the rest of the U.S. team. And, you know, the thing that I think is really interesting, Pablo, you talked about this sort of like this moment that he had, and it definitely was a moment. A lot of people are making the comparison to Landon Donovan's goal in 2010 against Algeria, which also mm. sent the U.S. into the knockout round, just like Polisic's did. So Polisic was asked about that on Thursday night. What did it feel like to have your World Cup moment? And he thought about it for a half a second, and he said, I'm hoping I haven't had that moment yet, to be honest. I'm hoping it's in front of me. I hope that wasn't my World Cup moment. I hope that my <laughs> World Cup moment is still to come. How is the rest of the team feeling now? What's their condition like? You know, when you talk about what's the impact of the group stage and the sort of the rigors of three games in such a short period, it's there. These guys are tired. Tyler Adams has played every minute. He's run something close to a marathon at this point. He's feeling it. Weston McKenney, who's incredibly talented in the midfield, he hasn't played 90 minutes yet, and he's still sort of nursing this sore quad that he came into the tournament with. Josh Sargent, who had a really solid game at striker against Iran, but left the game early with a tweaked ankle that came when he sort of took an awkward step on top of the ball. So there are question marks going into this game against the Netherlands. There are concerns, starting with Pulisic and sort of trickling down from there. But in terms of athleticism, talent, and depth, I think this U.S. team is in a terrific position to weather that kind of fatigue that is inevitably setting in at this point in a tournament. And so when we look ahead to the Netherlands tomorrow, how do you size up the task in front of them now against a power in a Dutch side that has obviously, yeah, been world-class for generations? Yeah, there's, there's no doubt about that, Pablo. I mean, they are a very solid team, but I think I would also say that they're a team that has largely underwhelmed if you were to talk to Netherlands fans or Netherlands journalists and maybe even some Netherlands players, if they were being honest, there was an expectation that they were going to kind of romp through Group A. Yeah. And they didn't really, you know, they didn't beat up on Qatar. They, they did struggle with Ecuador. Like, it wasn't the same kind of group stage that I think you would have expected. And so it sets up what I think is kind of an interesting matchup in the round of 16 in that I think there's a decent number of American players and fans who would look at this matchup and say, 
hey, this isn't bad. We don't have France. We don't have Brazil. We don't have one of the, the sort of powerhouses that we'd be a massive underdog to. Like the Netherlands is a very good team, but they're beatable. There's no doubt. And so the intensity level right now, as we wake up on Saturday with the Dutch in front of us, how different is it now, Sam, where you are in Qatar now that, yeah, the knockout stage is officially upon us? Yeah, you know, it's, it's actually kind of a funny juxtaposition, Pablo, because in a lot of ways, as you get to the end of the group stage and the knockout stage arrives, the intensity in the city, like on a sort of minute by minute basis goes down, right? Because half the teams and their fans are going home. So for example, here in Qatar, the Tunisians have been everywhere. I've seen fans from Tunisia literally every time I go out of my apartment, but they got eliminated. And so, you know, this morning there were fewer Tunisians around and that's going to continue as we go into this knockout stage. But then on the other end of the spectrum, the atmosphere in the stadiums, it goes through the roof. And a big part of that is there's no ties anymore. There's no draws. I mean, we're mm. into the knockout rounds. And if there is a, you know, if the scores are level at the end of the game, we're going to extra time. And extra time in a World Cup is intense. We <laughs> felt it in Brazil, in the US game yes, against Belgium, right? It's like a, it's a crucible. And it is something that is really difficult to explain to somebody who's never been a part of it before. But there is every chance on Saturday that we could see extra time in the U.S. and the Netherlands, and we could see penalties. And, you know, look, the U.S. has a, a, a very talented goalkeeper in Matt Turner, and he, it could be him in the spotlight. And I, I think, you know, the, the one thing that I keep coming back to, Pablo, as we talk about it is obviously the game against Iran was the game of their lives for these players, like we said, and they came through it. And now that sets up the game of their lives against the Netherlands. And you know, if they could come through this one, you know who's waiting on the other side, right, Pablo? <laughs> oh, I'm Ar looking right at Argentina, man. I'm Argentina right and yeah. Lionel Messi, the best player in the world, the best player in history, a team that is favored to potentially win this whole thing. For the US, I hesitate to say it, Pablo, but I think that would be the game of their lives. <laughs> yeah, no pressure or anything. Sam Borden, thank you for taking us inside the tournament of, uh, yeah, several lifetimes, it turns out. Thanks, Pablo. All right, up next, we call up our domestic correspondent, the inimitable Roger Bennett, whose own existence does seem to be hanging in the balance. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Roger Bennett, co-founder of the Men and Blazers Media Network, author of the World Cup book, Gods of Soccer, which you should go buy now, right now. Where are you at this moment? 
I have absolutely no idea. It's World <laughs> Cup. What day are we on? Like day 12? I mean, it feels like it's been going on for about six months. Yeah. We are on a tour uh, across the nation, determined to commune with America, make World Cup memories, see to Shining Sea. We're doing these live shows almost every night. Yes. I just got home last night after 10 days on the road. I got home about one o'clock in the morning. I expected a hero's welcome. I got back and um, my dog welcomed me by having an enormous crap in its crate at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and I found myself just like married to the World Cup, gentleman on the road, just cleaning out a dog turd at God knows what time and giving my dog a bath. And it was enormously grounding and enormously humbling. I was going to say, I, I, I'm not a professional psychotherapist. I feel like there's a metaphor there somewhere, though. As long as it's just my dog that is crapping the bed and not the United <laughs> States of America's men's team, I'll take it, Pablo. But speaking of, I have been watching you watch these games in all these different cities that you mentioned. And I just got to say that I really do appreciate the calm, the uh, nonpartisan grace under pressure that you personally exhibited when Pulisic scored that goal in real time. So now that you've stopped uh, fist pumping repeatedly, <laughs> what have you learned as you've been on this listening tour across America? Soccer's coming home would be my top headline. I've been in this nation since just before the 1994 World Cup, which is meant to put the sport over the top in this nation. I joke on my podcast that soccer is America's sport of the future as it has been since 1972. It's always a sport of the future. But the World Cup is coming here in 2026 here, <laughs> Canada, Mexico. And the tectonic plates are shifting under the sport. Uh, it was meant to be an overnight success in 1994. It wasn't. Instead, the growth has been slow and steady, but delirious. And, and because it was slow and steady, I'd say deep-rooted and all the more permanent. Um, I'm not a doctor, Pablo. But I do officially declare that our nation has got a nasty case of World Cup fever. Going from DC to Philly to Nashville, uh, where we're headed, I think, this evening, and Atlanta. I don't even know what days are anymore. Same. The unique, distinctive, passionate football cultures in each city to revel in them, um, to eat every hot wing, every juicy Lucy <laughs> along the way. It is incredibly thrilling. And what I've discovered... And I'm so bloody proud to be able to say this. I don't let the accent fool your listeners. I cheer for America with all the passion Kenny Powers cheers for the United States of America. <laughs> Becoming a citizen of this nation is the greatest thing I've ever done in my life. And what makes me <laughs> proudest in this moment, that in this time of chaos, in this time of division, this young US men's national team are presenting a joyous, tenacious, diverse, eclectic, positive face of America to the world, yes, but also to all of us in this nation, bringing hope and wonder. And I believe this. It's a team, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, that you can feel proud of 
just as we're proud of our US women who are back-to-back world champions, our men mm-hmm. are unifying us in a deeply meaningful way. When you're watching US-Iran, Raj, and you're on stage and Polisic does what he does and the game, the tension, the pelvic contusions and the tension. How do you describe what you went through? Well, first of all, I want to address an audience of one Christian Polisic. I just want you to know, and I think you know this, I will give you a testicle. Just let me know where to send it. <laughs> if you need it, if that's what it takes, I'm here for you. Or if you prefer, I'm going to start a... Uh, Go fund me and we will get you a testicle made of gold at the end of the World Cup because that is what you bloody deserve. Look, absolutely. I'm not going to lie. The Iran game, USA 1, Iran 0, was what I would call a three pair of underpants game. I'm not too proud to admit that even though I am a grown up, I do soil myself a little bit in game. (laughs) And those who follow along with us on Twitch will know that well. Come on! No! The thing I love about football, two things really. The World Cup, when two teams take the field, their nation's histories take the field alongside them. And that is the joy of this. That's what makes this a transcendent sporting event, that when the US take the field, or when Germany take the field, there's a lot of history when Germany take the field, when any team takes the field. And so you really feel that. And I also always joke about, about sports about in general but football in particular and the world cup in particular particular that it allows me to feel emotions that normal people feel in real life like happiness agony victory shattering defeat but that i'm normally dead to inside and this was a game pablo this was a game <laughs> in which we glimpsed the wonder the goal a moment of team movement, Vulcan, mind meld, interplay, and just such bloody bravery and sacrifice from Christian Pulisic. We said on our podcast that it's possibly the greatest use of American nuts since General McAuliffe at the Battle of Baston. And <laughs> you know, we felt that wonder, but we also felt the darkness in that second half. We were gassed. Oh, yes. young boys. Our young boys. It was tried. terrifying, Raj. It was. I was scared. I was scared from my living room. Yeah. What did you see? What did you see, Pablo? I saw. I, I saw a nightmare in which it felt like the first half was a distant memory, and now we were just being threatened over and over again. And it felt like we were inches away from me. Also, yourself. I guess is what I would say. Get yourself an underpants sponsor on this podcast. Is just a life recommendation for you, but. Veteran savvy. We, we tried to shut the game down with caution. There's a risk. And there were moments when we were staring into the abyss. The abyss was howling back that you are not a proper football nation and we will all laugh mm. at you. And we will laugh at the fact that you call it soccer, even though we all call it soccer. But we laugh <laughs> at you because you know, we know that you know that we know that you know that you are insecure when we laugh at you using the word soccer. There's the psychotherapy. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> the game felt too close for me to really the opening scenes of Argo. So <laughs> the final whistle was like, there's an English poet, a wonderful English poet. He was a bit of a bastard, but English poet Philip Larkin, who has a line, mm. he says, on me, your voice falls, as they say, love should like an enormous yes. 
And when that final whistle went, that's <laughs> what it felt like. Just an enormous, enormous, great American yes. And where does it rank uh, that achievement? Yeah, USA yeah. won. It ran nil. Probably, and I don't like to be hyperbolic, up there with the moon landing. That's one small step for man. <laughs> one the Wright Brothers. This film, made in 1903, recalls the first flight of this primitive biplane making aviation history. Or the first season of White Lotus. I'm Armand, the resort manager. Welcome to the White Lotus. And mm. just at a great American moment. Made all the greatest by there's a young gentleman, Anthony Robinson. Another young player, actually from near where I, I am, uh, Liverpool, he's born. We come from the same city. He's a Liverpudlian American, another Scouse American. And watching him in that moment of victory, probably the greatest sporting moment in his life, the first thing he did was go around the field and console his Iranian opponents. And I love that so much. Just the symbolism, the power watching Americans navigate the world in victory and to do so with confidence, yes, right. but with a deep deep humility and a deep empathy. Um, in this moment, in this world, it was overwhelmingly moving. Yeah, it's a truly, truly beautiful sentiment. Uh, but after the break, we need to discuss the Netherlands and I, I do need you to help me uh, get mean. <laughs> Delicious meat, nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I love 
what you said. Empathy, humility, and victory. But before the victory is achieved, I feel like we need to gin up some bad feelings. Right? I mean, <laughs> no, because Iran, look, the, the geopolitical saga we've chronicled on this show, you've talked about it extensively, like, it's serious and real, and now it's in the rearview mirror. England before that, self-evident, the, the tensions, right? But the Dutch, I mean, Raj, I'm struggling here a little bit. We've never played the Netherlands of the World Cup before. They seem, as a matter of branding, kind of inoffensive, kind of mellow. And so as the most patriotic new American that I know, can you help us hate the Dutch? <sighs> They're hard to hate, aren't they? And I think that's possibly the thing I hate most about them, that they are so hard to hate. <laughs> that land of Eddie Van Halen, I know. Van Gogh, and Frank. Oh, Van Gogh, veteran savvy again. Yeah, yeah. play you. They play in just an orange, a brilliant orange. They have such a footballing heritage, which they gifted to the world. So much of modern football is based on their style of football, which they pioneered in the 70s under the legendary late Johan Cruyff, a player who, it was like watching Picasso in cleats. He just saw time and space differently. Just such an avant-garde, gaunt figure, socks rolled down. He, in the World Cup, posterized a Swedish player with a move that he just unfurled called the Cruyff turn. Google it on YouTube. It's just like, it's like watching Dutch Allen Iverson just cross someone over into the next <laughs> world. And the Swedish player was asked afterwards, were you embarrassed you know, to be posterized? Um, like, you know, like John Starks. And he said, no, no. To be humiliated by someone as great as Johan Cruyff, it's the honor of a lifetime. <laughs> and that was who this person was. It's who Dutch football was. They changed the game a bit like the Bulls with the triangle offense. They created this total football in which every mm. player, every outfield player could attack at any time from any place, switching positions, strikers would fill in as defenders. Suddenly you'd be attacked from right from the, you didn't see it coming and it was flowing and it was moving and it was exquisite. How do you hate that? It's essentially given us modern Barcelona football at its peak is based on Dutch football. Now Manchester City, you know, the greatest team in the Premier League, petrodollar fueled, yes, but also deeply, deeply influenced by Dutch football. So this is a team that's, I'll be honest, Hard to hate. They are led by a an iconic manager, a gentleman called Louis van Gaal, 71 years old, just a stoic, tactical wonder. A little bit of a, you know, little little bit of an arrogant uh, gentleman for much of his career, really an enigmatic arrogance like many Dutch people have. But he he came back to the Dutch team in this cycle and hid from his players that he was suffering from a truly advanced prostate cancer. Uh, and was getting uh, heavy, heavy treatment all the way through. This is, I hope it's not, but this could very well be his last dance with a team which is not as star-soaked as past Dutch teams, but still very, very co a collective fist. They feel almost that they're on their own destiny, their own journey. It's hard, hard to be negative. The best I've got... Roger. Yeah, it seems like, it's, so far, it seems like you're getting high on the Dutch supply, which again is a reason why... <laughs> I have great fondness for said nation. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to channel the words of one of my countrymen for you. And this is the best I've got. Michael Kate. there's only two things I hate in this world, Pablo. There are only two things I can't stand in this world. People, people who are intolerant, intolerant of other people's, of other cultures, people's cultures. And the Dutch. And the Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I've got.
<laughs> Damn you, God. Tiesto. Damn you. Oh, God. Oh, God. As the beat drops one last dangerous time you must on American shores. Tiesto on the world. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's about as good as we go. Roger Bennett, the United States has not lost since you came to this country and became a citizen. So thank you for doing this. Thank you for saying yes and hope you and your dog can control yourselves on Saturday. God, Steve, we will. By the way, I'm a negative person. I f I'm a White Sox fan. I'm a Chicago Bears fan. I'm an Everton fan. I'm used to losing, but our players are so good as individuals. They are young, they are hungry, they are fearless. They're, They're fighting so to young. change the stereotype that surrounds the American player in Europe. Once every four years, they know that they can crack that stereotype and change the path. And I just say, I feel unusual feelings. I feel a glimmer, a glimmer of optimism. And I just hope we all make profound memories, feel a deep sense of connection with the world on Saturday. Um, and we do those Dutch bastards. <laughs> the future, the future might might be here a little earlier than we thought. Courage. <laughs> Thank you, Raj. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily, and our show is produced by Bradford Craig, Alexander Hyacinth, Mike Johns, Heather Lombardo, Ryan Antel, Mike Philbrick, Andre Soto, Andy Tennant, Chris Tuminello, and Aaron Vale. Special thanks this week to Tyrus Ray, John Minton, Sandarvis Duffy, and Jackson Agelo. I'll talk to you Monday. Hold up. 